Hello there, it's Jamila Jamel. Take a deep breath. Let your breath out slowly to the count of six. One, two, three, four, five, six. Do you feel better? Well, on my podcast, I Weigh, this month we'll be exploring ways to tackle mental health and feel better with guests like Simon Sinek from The Optimism Company, therapist Vienna Farron, comedian Neil Brennan, and many more. Listen to I Weigh wherever you get your podcasts. Help Me Be Me is self-help for people who hate self-help, hosted by me, Sarah May. What I talk about on my show is my personal opinion, and it's not a substitute for professional help. Take what helps and leave the rest. Hi friends, it's Sarah May, and this is an episode I'm calling Nonstop Seeking for if you are feeling empty or unfulfilled or just kind of like chronically hungry in like a humanity kind of way. Uh, I think that's because a lot of people look outward for a source of fulfillment and in what others say or in what we have and all the proof points of am I enough? And that is actually, I think, the result of all of the systems in place um, that kind of guide our habits like media and devices and content and kind of this constant, uh, we're in a constant selfie mode (laughs) in like a lifestyle sense. So this is an episode that will invite you to consider, you know, just, I guess, recalibrate. Maybe there's, maybe there's nothing to fix at all, except for just that instinct of grasping, you know? So with this episode, it's not a what, why, and how, it's a a long, long what, and then a bunch of tools. Um, And before I go into the tools, we will have a brief word from our sponsors. So um, if you are a person who is in that state of what I call grasping, that you have kind of like a constant state of, I need something more, I need something, what's the thing that will fulfill me? It's kind of like... And another way to look at that feeling is like a, almost like a resistance to just sitting with exactly where we are and like a worry that that emptiness or that discomfort, whatever comes up, that anxiety that comes up, there's a fear or worry that that is not safe or that that is, there's something wrong with that, that feeling. And I think um, that causes us to fill that void all the time. So I think a lot of people will grab your phone or turn on your TV or whatever it is, buy the thing, and it'll give us immediate salve, like immediate relief from that slightly empty feeling of not enough or worry, you know? And I think that's, as I said, reinforced by a lot of things that are just built into our lifestyles. And in those moments, what I think the goal is, is to instead become conscious and consider, is there anything wrong with this feeling? Maybe there's nothing wrong at all. What do I choose to do versus kind of our default, which I think has become almost automatic now, which is to immediately fill, immediately undo that feeling of empty, you know? And I think that is the result of a kind of constant position of scrubbing, scrolling, skipping, looking for what's next, what's better, you know? And it's almost like we have this secondary life 
called the web or the internet or social media, the second world that we have to worry about, that we have to consider, that we have to measure, that we have to check. And that split, that severance of our our present in-person self and this like virtual self is, it, it's draining and it gives us a fractured sense of um, our feelings and our identity. This is just my my take on it. But if you think about it, like let's think about a kid 30 years ago. A kid 30 years ago would go out and play a baseball game and try really hard and fall and whatever happens. Maybe they hit a ball, maybe they don't. But they would be with their peers. They would be seen by their parents. And then they would feel tired. They'd feel a sense of accomplishment. And that would be the takeaway from the day. That would be the biggest event of the day. And they would probably feel pretty satisfied. They would replay those memories from their game at the end of that day. And now... Instead, the kid that goes to the baseball game has a whole other world that is ever-present that they have to worry about that exists on this tiny machine, and that's occupying such a large part of their consciousness, and it's constantly kind of there, you know? So there's no longer this simple, satisfying existence. It's like we have this other full-time job of worrying and measuring and checking this thing all the time, and I just think that's... (laughs) that's not a, I don't think that's a good thing. I don't think that's a healthy thing. I think that's a, it's a travesty in many ways because what a a gift to just be one place. How, what a relief to just be one place and only have to worry about what's in front of you. Part of the thing that motivated this episode is I've been watching Pachinko, which is such a good show on Apple TV, um, but it's very much about my ancestors and in that my specific ancestors fled the Japanese occupation of Korea. And one thing that this watching this show has given me is such an appreciation and awe for how much my ancestors endured. And I'm just, I've been very humbled picturing my great grandparents and my Nana, my Korean grandma existing as a result of these experiences. And it just puts her in such a different context. And like, like, of course you would be who you were having gone through the outcome of this many, these particular kinds of traumas and this specific set of societal limits and problems, etc. And the other thing it just made me realize was like how refreshing it would be to just be able to revisit that time of no phones <laughs> and no split focus and just not having a second world to worry about. Because I do think... At that time, you know, the the hierarchy of needs was like survival and food and survival. And you didn't have to, there was no like real constant need to check things or measure things or, or create kind of like an identity, another identity for yourself in a digital medium, you know? And in that time, there were a lot of opportunities to get bored. And we no longer kind of get to practice being bored because instead, as soon as we feel that discomfort of a lack of stimuli, we fill it. We check something, we check a bank balance or a social media account or the news or something else that we probably don't need to know in that second. But it's almost like it's a default instinct, you know? And there was a time when we didn't have this many self-induced mental issues. And I'm not saying... 
all of the problems with anxiety and depression are our fault. I'm just saying that it's caused by the lifestyle patterns that exist nowadays versus external events. I feel like the majority of trauma and like mental issues came from your experiences, your life experiences versus I think a lot of them now are just conditions, like human conditions um, from things like phones and loneliness, you know? And I think a lot of what was the purpose in life was like survival. And I think also a lack of this other fractured self, you know, a lack of a virtual job to be present and alive in a digital space. And I remember because of my age, I remember having to teach myself to be uh, aware of social media accounts and to like practice checking it. I remember n- not wanting to either, like pushing myself to do that. It it took force for me to like be like, oh, I have to log back in and put some things in there and like, oh, I have to check it again. It was didn't feel natural, you know. And I think a lot of people don't even know what it would be like to not have all of those things because you've grown up with it, you know. And I think because we've grown up or for you who have grown up with it, you're, you're constantly split and constantly distracted. You're half here and you're half worried about somewhere else. So it's kind of like this hamster wheel of stimuli. It's another version of being unconscious. And when we have this fractured consciousness, we tend to swing between poles. And by that, I mean high or empty. And that's because we're kind of, our default setting is kind of seeking and seeking and seeking. And it's, we're constantly seeking like everything I should have, everything I should be, everything I should be doing. And we swing between achieving that and then feeling hollow. That's just my opinion, but that's what I, I observe at least in myself in these experiences. And that is the nature of being constantly tuned to the next, tuned to better than, tuned to these external measures. You know, we get defined by this this ever-extending external scale. And we are just kind of permanently in a stance of seeking what's next at like for the, the bar of our entire existence versus kind of asking, turning inward for our sense of contentedness and being able to choose that, that measure, you know, of what is joy for us. And I can tell you that a lot of us are suffering in this way and they're searching, I think, hungry for kind of the backlash from it so that we can finally breathe and just be ourselves again. And I think that because I'm thinking it and I know in my opinion, when you hear a message out there in the world, it means there are others who feel the same way because the world is always trying to express, you know, our collective beliefs. It's like we're talking to ourselves. We're basically a network of fungi. And if you don't know what I mean by that, I'm going to put a a recommended reading link in the show notes. It's basically a book about mycelium networks of fungus and how, and I think we're the same. The collective unconscious of humanity is the same as just a bunch of uh, tiny little threads in the earth that are connecting all of these fungi. So I think what we are in need of as a human race is curating a centered, 
um, sense of identity, like an inner strength that is separate from any external device, any external anything. And, and by that, I mean, like, I think we all need to curate our own locus of control. Um, and locus of control is like a term and the difference between something that really traumatizes somebody and something that does not is that inner sense of feeling like I can handle this and I got this. And that, that locus of control is what they call it. It's like feeling like I can do this is the difference between something destroying you and breaking you down and making you feel weaker or enduring something and feeling like I can handle anything. And so what I'm proposing is that if we could curate this sense of I've got this I can do this I I get to choose how I feel about me versus that stance of seeking validation seeking something outside outside of us to fill the void I think that would be a game changer so this is an episode I'm hoping will kind of push you in that direction and part of what I'm inviting you to do is see the value in discomfort, the value in boredom, in vulnerability, in looking lame or needy, wearing your heart on your sleeve, in that discomfort of social awkwardness. All of that, all of those feelings, maybe if we can kind of maintain that locus of control in our mind's eye, a feeling like, I got this, I know what I'm doing, I'm doing this intentionally to be a human, to come from, to grow my core muscles, so to speak. If we can approach all of those feelings from that deliberate place, I think they make us stronger. I don't think they erode us or hurt us in the same way. I think they give us this really fruitful superpower of human dimension and self-love. It's almost like we're doing emotional sit-ups. And I think when we practice something from that sense of control, meaning I'm telling my, I'm teaching myself how to tolerate these feelings deliberately, that conversely gives us this necessary range for a rich and fruitful life experience. When we can instead uh, just move through those feelings and not completely just shut off and go unconscious, gives us such a greater depth. And I think what happens when you have a device that can constantly shut you off if you don't feel safe or if you feel a little uncomfortable or lame or weird going unconscious means you never ever go deeper and what happens is you end up living a half-life you're half year you're half nowhere and you're you're constantly kind of dodging any real depth and over a long period of time it just means it's like a much more shallow version of relationships and of life and uh, of depth of experience. And as I said, kind of inspired by that Pachinko show, but I, I have had it so much easier than those in my history. And we all have, I think, but I would say uh, in the past, in many ways, when you have goals that are survival based, it's a lot easier just because you know what to do. You know how to succeed is just to survive and when we don't have that it can be kind of confusing what you want out of life or what is a good life what does it even mean to be happy and in many ways we kind of wander and we get talked into what we should want or people show us pictures of the thing that we should want and we think yeah that'll make me happy 
So I think in the face of that condition, one thing we can do is curate the ethic and the measurement of a good life from the inside out, like what that looks like and what that feels like for ourselves. And we can do that in part by drawing on our family legacies if we know of them. And we can also just check in with ourselves and ask like, what is true for me that maybe isn't represented on social media? What is true for me that brings me joy that maybe has nothing to do with money or success at all? For me, things that I hold to make me feel very happy and joyful are creative expression, creative achievement, being able to use my fullest potential, and also the experience of awe and beauty and presence, being fully present. And that allows those two things combined allow me to really enjoy life. And they are somewhat opposing things in many ways. So even if they oppose, if you were to know those two things about me and then see a snapshot of my life, you would see that they are very represented. Um, But the goal net-net here for this episode, for these tools, is to make all of these ingredients, all the truth for you, conscious, and to become much more conscious about the moments when maybe you're being guided by a medium, by a device, by a some default routine versus truly choosing what will make you happy or choosing the things that you need to bring more of into your life, if that makes sense. So with that, we are about to go to the tools section, but first, a brief word from our sponsors. All right, the first tool, it's an oldie but a goodie. My blog, when I wrote for Hello Giggles back in the day, was called Teaspoon of Happy, and that is basically my recipe for a happy life. And really what it comes down to is just approaching it from a perspective of your day today, how you approach today, represents in ratio how you approach your entire life. And in order to be pervasively happier, really what we need to start with is that recipe of today, tweaking the tiny teaspoons and maybe adding a little bit, you know, a dash more being outside, a t- like a half of a teaspoon more uh, being around family members. All of these very small changes can amount to a percentage wise of your life being much better. And just thinking about it in terms of a day, you can tweak the rest of your life, even if you don't have the means to make gigantic moves, just tweaking those tiny things will have repercussions. So it makes it much more approachable, I think. Um, And I think a main ingredient in our day is our focus, being very aware of what is sucking up our brain, what is sucking up our time, what is causing us to shut off and go unconscious. Because if you water down your focus, you are watering down the richness of your entire life experience. You know, it's like watching a movie that is blurry. So as a part of this teaspoon of happy exercise, I just want you to like write down your day, write down all of the things you do, the amount of time you spend doing those things. And I want to ask you, what is lacking in this recipe? Like, what do you know brings joy to you that you could bring into that day, even in the tiniest increment? And what is something 
that you know you would like more of. And I think if we can just make those mental notes and reflect on like, just what are the doable changes I can make? What are the things I can become more conscious of that fit exactly into what is accessible to me right now? Big changes can be made today from exactly the same spot you are in. You know, I think when we're in a state of being frustrated with where we are, we're unhappy with our life stage, we feel like when I get that, I'll feel happy. When I have that partner, I'll, I'll feel happy. When I have that job, I'll feel happy. When I get out of this apartment with this roommate I hate, I'll feel happy. And to a certain extent, that stuff is true, but like we still can alter things for the better with exactly the ingredients we have access, access to right now. So that's the first tool. Second tool, write your family manifesto. So this is a journal entry. What do I mean by family? If you do not have a quote family, I, I just mean you. Like what is the space that you hold for your, what's your sense of home? Whether that's you solo, you and your plant, you and your, maybe you have a partner or maybe it's a, just a pet, whatever it is. Like for your family, the, the space that you hold for yourself, your warm space that you keep around you. I just want you to write a manifesto of beliefs of like, what, what are the ethics and values you hold sacred for this space? I believe in, um, peacefulness. I believe in, uh, the, that everyone should be kind. I believe we should all try our hardest, whatever they are. And if you do have a partner, I encourage you to write this with your partner just because you you do have your own ecosystem, whether or not you guys are committed or planning to be, it doesn't matter. Like if you interact with a person on a regular basis, like you have a kind of a, a community and just to define those values that you hold to be important for the both of you, it also, it brings it forth more so when you can actualize it, when you can write it down and claim it, it's like, these are true for us. And then you get to show them more. It's pretty powerful. And it will be also powerful for you to do solo. All right, the next tool, what is the hierarchy of love and meaning? So this is an invitation to just ponder what has the deepest meaning for you and what has the most resonance? And I think there is a need for us to have a value scale um, based on our personal life experiences. And I think when we have a sense of sameness or hollowness, we often don't know what means anything to us. It's like everything just feels kind of like neutral and kind of blah, you know? It's like when you're, the majority of your focus is taken up by like consuming entertainment or products or generic information, it can feel just like that is us. Like this, all this stuff is just us. And there's m so much more to you that's deeper that's maybe not being rewarded or um, engaged. So this is just an invitation to ponder what has had the greatest meaning for you in your life, including when you're very young. And what, has, what are the moments that resonate most from your life experience that have allowed you to feel deep, deeply rewarded. Like you did something good in that day. That was a meaningful day. And this is just really to be aware of that market and, and describe it and be fully present when an emotion like that occurs again. And 
they don't have to be big. They don't have to be elaborate. One thing that's for me has like a very high place on that hierarchy is watching my kids eat a meal I have cooked. It's so, I don't know what it is. I call it mom porn because it's like, I'm like, yeah, eat that fucking spaghetti. Oof. It just makes me feel so satisfied to watch them like ravenously eat spaghetti because I'm like, I have fed my child and they are thriving because of it. It's just like, it's such a primal thing. Um, and another one, another very gratifying thing for me is seeing someone I am working with in my uh, coaching thrive and overcome some like thing that's been blocking them in their life. Like that is like the, one of the greatest feelings in the world. And also being around people who really inspire me, like my heroes, just to be able to talk about creative things with those people. Also operating, using all of my creative cylinders, like operating on my personal level of excellence, that makes me feel so alive and so awesome. So those are mine. Those are some of mine. I want you to try and write this list and then just scrub for those things in your life are those things present? Do you make those things a priority in your life? Oftentimes we don't just because we're like operating on the default setting of like, I got to do this thing. And then everyone's doing that thing. And now I'm supposed to buy this stuff for this holiday. It's like, it's so easy to just follow everyone in the world's routine. And if we're not choosing, it's like the, our life experience will be the result of everybody else's routine. So this is my just invitation to make those choices conscious. All right. The next tool, love the temporariness. Uh, this tool, I am, I remember hearing things like this when I was young and they used to bum me out. (laughs) I'm trying, not trying to bum you out, but to, I'm trying to inspire you. And I'm bringing this up because I'm at an age now where I have known enough people who have died and I've seen enough people in their older ages dying. And I, for me, it's like a weird, there's a weird sense of, um, I don't know, a calmness that has come from that in, and let me explain it. It's like life is short. Life is so temporary and it doesn't, it's, it's not long at all. Like people die all the time at all ages. And that is just a reminder, like, don't take it all so seriously you know, be present with it, really go for it and do your best to get to know like, what the fuck do you want out of this? You can choose that. You get to try a bunch of stuff. You know, you can try a bunch of jobs. You can try a bunch of different disciplines. You can try, go to a lot of different places. Like why not? You're, you're only here for a little while and, and be at peace with the temporariness of all of this. It's like, you know, it's almost like you go to, you could go back to college and try one of every single different kind of class. Like that's kind of the thing, the feeling I get from just the awareness of the temporariness of life. And, and we, we know so little, we know so little about how it all works, what happens when you die. And that's like a beautiful and amazing thing because it means it could be, (laughs) we're free. You know, it could be, it's so beyond our comprehension. We don't, it's not our job to know everything. It's not our job to predict everything and for everything to work out perfectly. Don't, don't take it too seriously. Don't take yourself too seriously. If you fuck up, like great, you just learned a a really hard lesson. Awesome. You're going to use that every single day for the rest of your life. 
so that's it <laughs> hope that tool affects you in a positive way and not in a terror inducing <laughs> way um that was not the intention um but i think you know for me it's it's a bittersweet reminder of like oh i should not waste time on things that are not worth time because like it could be you could die at any moment you've got to use this life for the best all right the next tool tune into the energy I think I've given this before, but I really want you to, this is what I do with myself is when you start to muscle something or you're starting to force something on yourself or you're diving into something and you're starting like immediately when you get that thought of like exhaustion of like, oh. in that moment, just tune into your energy and ask yourself, what is this motive? Where is this coming from? And, and I think oftentimes it's, when we muscle something, when we force ourselves to do something for the wrong reasons, we know it. We know it at the beginning. And the outcome from that thing will be compromised in many ways, you know? Because it's like the nuance is everything. The motive, the energy behind an act is everything. And when you start to notice yourself like, muscling something you can ask like is this coming from a genuine place or is it coming from a place of grasping of needing to impress someone else of doing it because of an appearance you know what i mean and sometimes if you notice like is this coming from a genuine place is this coming from me being insecure about my own abilities or is this coming from me needing to prove something oftentimes when i notice that myself i can be like i don't need to do that i don't because all of those instincts are kind of old. Like I know now, I'm old enough to know now, like I, I, I'm confident in my worth. And if something is coming from that fear-based place, I can tell myself like, you don't need to do that. This is not coming from the right energy. And sometimes when we do muscle those things, we muscle those acts, when we look at the final product, it doesn't feel like us, you know? It's like the, and, and when things have not come from us, we cannot tell if they're good or not it's like there's not a real value scale to be able to identify like do we like it is that a positive thing and i think when we've created things from that energy it's like uh we become even more insecure because we don't know <laughs> like is that good i have no idea because i did i did it for the wrong reasons it was kind of a scattered tool i hope it made sense um and the next tool is called legacy infusion this one's not possible for everyone. I know a lot of us don't know our family history and we don't know much about my your ancestors. I didn't know anything about mine until my mom started doubling down on uh, research with the help of all sorts of different DNA types of companies. But if, and if you know your, your family history, I'll touch on that in a second. But like, if you don't, I would invite you to imagine a, a dramatic story one that a mini series would be made from and and tell kind of your own history of your ancestors and i would this is part of the reflection exercise i want you to ask what would be the goal your ancestors would have for you and how how could you infuse this meaning into your direction in your life if this is helpful if not if it's laden with pain and stuff like that don't do this one but I think to be connected to a family legacy is powerful 
and rich. And, you know, if we are tied to something greater, like a, a line of people, in, in many ways it helps us to feel okay about striving and trying for something great because it's like we're connected to them too. So a lot of, for a lot of people back in the day, the goal of the family was just for the line, the bloodline to live on. And now we have so much ability, so, so much access to other things. It's like, we don't, we're not as worried with the generation, next generation surviving, but what, what other legacies could we gift to future generations? And if it's not a generational thing, if you like, you don't plan on continuing your bloodline, maybe it's just the values you bring forth into the collective unconscious for a future generation, you know, in some ways it's, if it's just about us, it can be very confusing to reflect on like what we want. Cause it's just like, it feels sort of trivial and like not grounded in anything. And when it's tied to a greater human experience, it can feel more weighty and bigger. I don't know. It feels almost like less trivial. At least that was the way I felt about this exercise. Take it or leave it. Wanted to throw it out there. All right. The next tool is called love map. So this is an invitation to examine just in your past, the moments you felt the most alive, the most rewarded, and just invite you to spend some time scanning your memory and just take notes of all those experiences. And then once you have that list, just ask, what were the common denominators? What did those times allow you to do? And this is more about just consciously curating this and all of your future life experiences, but it's also, it might pique your curiosity to see like, oh, interesting. These were all moments where I was laughing. And the next tool is, is a mantra. And the mantra is maybe things are just as they should be. Maybe there's nothing to seek at all. Maybe things are just fine. Whatever that is, put it in your own words. And I think So this is a tool aimed at just in those moments when we catch ourselves seeking, grasping, we're in that moment of like, I need to fill this void. We grab our phones, we're just opening up, up another app. Like in that moment, we can teach our bodies to just tolerate that discomfort of boredom. I have the gift, quote unquote, of experiencing this process of toleration just through healing from post-traumatic stress disorder, which was incredibly difficult. I don't recommend it, but the main thing it taught me to do was really hold my body, my person, like emotionally through the moments of intense emotional discomfort and not flee. So this is kind of a smaller scale version of that. In the moment you start to feel yourself self grasping for something, anything just to fill a void. Instead, I want to invite you to greet it and breathe through it much like you would while trying to just wait for a muscle cramp to pass. Cause it's similar. I mean, it's like a muscle cramp, but it's like a, I don't want to sit in this emptiness. I don't want to sit in this. What if I'm bored? What if I'm lonely? It's like that instinct to, to correct it is what we need to correct. Cause like maybe there's nothing needed at all. And what we can do in that moment 
of training ourselves out of filling that void is we become conscious and we can ask ourselves instead, what do I choose? It's not as much of a default instinct because when we are guided by the, the default instinct, we end up being controlled by whatever medium is in front of us. So it's like whatever the app has chosen for us is what comes into our body and our consciousness. And when we can instead stop and say like, what, what do I want to bring into my body? We can instead see, oh, I need nothing at all. Maybe I'm just going to tune into the present moment for a second. Or we can instead choose something that is nourishing, you know, for example, I want to go outside. I want to go for a walk. I want to think about that memory I have that makes me really happy. I just realized uh, I would like to spend some time with my dog. I don't know, whatever it is, it's like we can actually be conscious in that moment versus unconscious. And the next tool is called what is nourishing. And I'm adding this tool in there because I think a lot of the time, I don't, I don't think we, we, we consider what is nourishing to us as a human, you know? It's kind of like we're kind of taking all the things that other people tell us to take. But I want to ask you, what is nourishing to you as a person? And for me, I've just been analyzing this based on having gone through this pandemic. And I notice things that are really nourishing to me, that make me feel alive and in my skin and present are like things that are human things that are felt, concrete um, experiences with our human beings, things that are savored, like flavors or textures or temperatures, anything that offers me love or an ability to express love, uh, anything that gives me a feeling of usefulness, anything that allows you to feel valuable, anything that rewards your talents that allows you to express one of your talents. So I invite you to think on your own list just so it's top of mind because in these moments of being conscious, you can, you can honor um, yourself by just participating in more of them and kind of put them at the top of your importance hierarchy. So I hope those tools are helpful. This is, this is the episode. It's a short one this week. And if anyone um, would like to read that book on Bungie, I'm going to put it in the show notes. And before I close, I want to thank all my latest sponsors and anyone who has become a sponsor in the past. Thank you so very much. I'm always humbled and I appreciate it. If you have the means, you can head to yaywithme.com and click donate or visit me on Patreon slash Sarah may be. And if you don't have the means, I totally get it. If you could leave a review on iTunes, that would also help me immensely. And, um, in closing, when we become conscious of something, we can alter our path in small ways. But if you look at that from, you know, bird's eye perspective over a long period of time, it's, a, you're altering the, the whole trajectory. And that is how we live a life that is guided and curated versus unconscious and controlled by the base level defaults. It's like, you know, when you drive home not thinking about it, it's really easy to live your, like a large percent of your life that way. So maybe I just want to invite you to, to see if you are empty. Maybe you aren't. 
Maybe you can handle feeling lonely. Maybe you can handle feeling bored. And maybe you can handle feeling anxious. And that feeling will pass. And maybe you are strong enough. Maybe you are more than enough and you have more than enough. And maybe there's nothing to do other than just hold yourself through that feeling of discomfort and take a deep breath. So I hope this is helpful and I send you my love and don't forget to smile. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.